Hello, everyone. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of Brand Like a Girl, the podcast. It's your favorite host, Nia Imani. And today I have a wonderful guest by the name of Deshonda Brown. Deshonda Brown is a communications associate at AV Partners and a columnist at the Rap Fest for her curated series, Shop Black. With a wide background of experience in entertainment, music, fashion, technology, and nonprofit organizations. So, Deshonda has a background in public relations and social media management, previously working for Hoosier Landlord, Soledad O'Brien's Powerful Foundation, Shante Doss, Silence the Shame, and Universal Music Groups, to name a few. Prior to these opportunities, Deshonda earned her BA in English from Spelman College and is a certified mental health first aider. Moreover, she is a blogger and lead content curator for Sign Shonda and serves as principal publicist at Gold-Blooded Communications. The Shonda explores the power of social movements and influence of media and communications through her work in communications, journalism, and passion for breaking the stigmas in mental health, women's rights, and providing equal opportunities and access to education for minority youth in undeserved communities. Everyone, please welcome Deshonda Brown. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. Yes, thank you so much for joining me. I really, really, really do appreciate it. I'm very excited to get into some of these questions and honestly just learn a little bit more about you um, and who you are. So that's where we, where we will start. So I want to know what's your story, what's your purpose, and what's your why? And a lot of people say that's a big question to ask out the gate, but I think it's a good one to, you know, start the conversation off with. It's a very good one because I feel like it's the perfect moment to be as vulnerable as possible. My story, you know, I am from Brooklyn, New York, bedside, do or die, as people like to say, but (laughs) now it's like, you know, we just have a bunch of great haberdasheries and bakeries everywhere. So it doesn't exactly have the same hardness, but that's where I grew up. I grew up in a single parent household raised by my mother, and I grew up in a household filled with very strong black women. So I had my mother, I had my older sister, and I had my grandmother. And at one point we were all living under the same roof. My father didn't come into my life until like a little later. He and I weren't always like close, close. We would see each other maybe once or twice a year, but now he's like my best friend. Mm -hmm. And as it pertains to mental health, my story began when I was about eight years old. I remember being teased a lot I remember being bullied for you know um being too smart which was ridiculous looking back Mm -hmm. on it (laughs) having hair that was way too long which you know I should have been praised for because my hair was a lot to maintain for being too skinny for being too active in class and I remember that always getting to me and I I knew that I had a sadness and I knew that I had a feeling of defeat, but I never could really identify what that was because nobody in my family ever posed the conversation of mental health. So as I got older and I encountered more bullying, I encountered more violence. I was, you know, sexually assaulted in high school and I was raped when I was in college. So as I got older, I realized that I had all this stuff that was going on, but I had no idea how to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to go about finding a good therapist. I didn't know how to start these necessary conversations. And after I graduated college, I had attempted to complete suicide. 
and I took the time to go, you know, figure out what I wanted to do, where my life was heading, why I was feeling this way. And that's when I realized once I started going to therapy that I did and I do have a mental illness. And I'm completely okay with saying that Mm -hmm. because it's better to know why, you know, there is something going on with me, how there's something going on with me. It's way better to know that there's a chemical imbalance and that I feel these types of ways as opposed to going throughout the world, not knowing what's wrong and completely ignoring it. Mm -hmm. So that channels into my purpose. And my purpose is to help destigmatize mental illnesses and know that it's okay to have these conversations, really encourage people and really push people to be uncomfortable and to be comfortable with being uncomfortable because sometimes we have all these feelings and we don't know how to talk about them but my purpose is to get people to talk about them especially because we're in a time of generation z and of millennials where we can go on social media and be very quick to talk about you know the popeye's chicken sandwiches (laughs) and you know all this other stuff but we don't know how to speak about mental health without it being about us wanting to take 13 reasons why off of Netflix. Mm. I want to be able to talk about a wide range of conversation. And that goes into my why, because I want to be the person for other people that I craved to have. I want to be that friend. I want to be that counsel. I want to be that shoulder to cry on. I want to be the person that guides you that helps you that leads you into this conversation even when you don't have the right words to start it so i wanted to just say thank you so much for um you know your transparency and sharing your story you know even just a glimpse of your story with us um i do appreciate um how you feel about storytelling and how we should we should share our stories because you never know who needs to hear what you have to say and how that can impact someone else's life so i really do appreciate you you know you you being that person who who honestly sees the value in storytelling so I really definitely appreciate awesome so I want to guess I want to tell you um I would love for you to tell us how did you get started in your current industry where did your love for um you know communications media the entertainment industry um PR where did all of that come from Wow, it's crazy because I stumbled upon media and communications by a complete accident <laughs> I started off in the world saying that I wanted to be a veterinary technician. That was wow. that was my thing. I was like, you can't tell me anything. I'm going to be, you know, helping dogs and cats and bunnies and turtles. I'm going to be doing all that stuff. And then once I started at Spelman College, I took my very first biology class and I was like, I I think not. Absolutely not. I'm not doing this anymore. It was just mm-hmm. that it it wasn't that it was hard because I've always been really good at math and science it's just that once I started my classes I realized I didn't have the passion for it that I thought I Mm -hmm. did and especially because I knew that my parents were paying so much money per year per semester per credit for me to be in school for four maybe plus years And I was going to waste my time doing something that I didn't want to do. So if I'm going to be there, I want to do something I absolutely love. Right. I've always had a love for writing. So I tried to look up different things that I could be with an English major besides being an author or 
being a teacher because as soon as I said English major, everybody thought that I was going to be either a teacher or an author. I stumbled upon internships.com and I started looking up every type of internship that I could possibly get as an English major. And I found this internship ad that said celebrity publicist needs assistant to help with high profile clientele. So of course, me being 18 and not reading the description in full, my eyes got bright eyed and bushy tailed. And I was like, I'm (laughs) gonna do this. I don't care what I'm doing. I want to work with celebrities. Come to find out I started working with a firm that was then called Rainchild Public Relations, which is now called the Sheridan Group PR LLC. And the first clients that I started working with were Bambi from Love and Hip Hop mm-hmm. and Tiffany Fox, who was also featured on Love, on Love and Hip Hop, but not at the time. She was an artist. And I remember just instantly falling in love with the entertainment scene. I remember loving going to events and being social and writing recaps and writing press releases. But I knew that I wasn't just going to be stuck in PR for lack of better terms because I have so many passions. So I started to mm-hmm. explore radio. I had my own radio show at Clark Atlanta University on WST Radio for three years called Jet Set Radio, where I got to interview everybody from Jessica Jarrell to Josea Chanchez, who was on BET's The Game, which was such a great show. And I got to talk to Sammy, the singer, I got to talk to um, April and Priyanka from the show, Sorority Sisters on VH1. And I remember just going crazy over the fact that I got to talk to people about their stories online Mm -hmm. and on a platform where people actually cared. And it's not like I was talking to these people about the latest single that they released or talking to them about what book they were coming out with. I had conversations with these high-profile people about things that were going on in their personal lives. So I got to learn about Josea Chanchez's nonprofit organization, which a lot of people didn't know about. I got to talk to a singer called Felix, who is just some one of the most talented people that I know, about relationship advice that he has for ladies and for men on a special mm-hmm. Valentine's Day episode. I got to dedicate oh, an cool. thank you. I got to dedicate an entire episode to Hispanic Heritage Month because I realized that even though I go to an HBCU, there were a lot of um, Hispanic and Latinx community members that were present on campus. So I wanted to make them feel seen as well. And then after that, I realized after launching my own communications agency gold-blooded communications and i'm very thankful to my first clients miss mulatto crave tay actress jasmine burke and so many others i realized that i love music and i love entertainment but i felt like i was doing what i was doing in music and internet and entertainment because i wanted to do something else Mm. I knew that I love to tell stories. I knew that I love to talk to people. I knew that I love to be a listening ear. I knew that I love to be a voice. So when I was working at Universal Music Group at the time, I remember Shanti Daz came to Universal Music Group for a panel discussion with Dr. S, with um, Latrice Burnett, and a few others that were across the music industry and passionate about mental health. 
And I remember during the panel, I just broke down crying. And it was so many feelings going through my body, so many sensations, because I've never felt more seen during a panel discussion in my life. And they were also speaking to my life experiences. So when that event was happening, something clicked in me like I have to be part of the mental health community. I have to advocate for it. I have to be there for people like I feel like the people on this panel are being for me because Mm. I've been through so much. And I know that the stories that they're telling me and they're telling the rest of this room if they're if we're all here crying and we're one big happy family and they're opening up, up a conversation about mental health, about suicide, about depression, about anxiety, imagine how many people how imagine how many people's lives can be changed if we all started that conversation. So that's what sparked my interest in mental health and and since then I've just been going full frontal with it, sharing my stories about um, rape, about suicide, about depression, and even linking up and reaching out to other people who have gone through the same stuff as well. It's it's really changed my life exponentially. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. I definitely, I appreciate that. I think that that's a, a deep and that's an honest reason as to why, you know, you became interested in this industry. I know a lot of times people, we see entertainment, we see communications, we see media, we think it's a easy industry, which I'm sure we, we both right. know it's not, you know, you really have to, it's you not. really have to grind in this industry. You have to, you know, yep. so many different titles. You have to have a large, you know, skill set when it comes to being successful in this industry. So I, I, I'm glad that you, you know, your purpose in being interested in this is rooted in, you know, a, a, a real reason not I won't say a real reason but it's, it's rooted in it's rooted in your purpose and why you do the things that you do so I really do appreciate that and I love to hear that absolutely thank you I feel like entertainment everybody everybody thinks that the entertainment industry it's so fun and it's glamorous and don't get me wrong it has its moments when you're at you know movie screenings or red carpets or you're at an album launch party but it's very easy for social media to make entrepreneurship and working in the business so mm-hmm. sexy when people don't understand. It's like what Christina Million said in um, Love Don't Cost a Thing. Work to get in, work to yeah. stay in. It's work nonstop. Because mm-hmm. you can get irrelevant really quickly. And people, I think people do forget oh, that. Absolutely. Like, yeah, you can be hot this one season or this one month. But if you don't keep working and if you're not consistently working and if you're not, you know, consistently bettering your content, bettering yourself, bettering your work ethic and the people that you're surrounding yourself with, um, it, it won't be here tomorrow. <laughs> so... It's definitely important to, you know, continuously work on yourself and the things that you're doing. So I'm glad you touched on that. Thank you. So I wanted you to tell us a little bit about why you started your series. um, Hashtag shop black. Yes. So I have to give a huge, 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 huge shout out to Scotty Beam for this. In my mind, she is like my my best friend and my mentor. She doesn't know it yet, but I'm speaking into existence that, you know, we're going to come together and do something really dope. I was so inspired by the fact that every single, um, every single year around black history month, she wears a different black owned brand every single day, every day of February, she wears a black owned brand, something by somebody's mama, sister, auntie, something. And when I saw her doing that, I realized that there are so many people out here 
like me who don't know about these brands because all all that's thrown in our faces are the Yves Saint Laurent, the mm-hmm. Gucci's, the Pandora's, the you know Burberry's, and all this stuff. When there's people, our people, who are making the who are who are making these dope shirts, these dope pants, this dope content, who's making earrings and bracelets from scratch who have higher quality than any of these mainstream stores sorry h&m and forever 21 and charlotte roos but there are people out there who are literally working to the bone to make much better higher quality stuff that has stories behind Mm -hmm. it so i started off buying from these black owned brands and you know showing it on my instagram because i'm i don't have you know millions of followers but you know i have a good I think 3000 and I wanted to use the voice that I'm starting to develop to show these people like, Hey, I can get dope stuff from dope people who look like me. So I started doing my research and looking up different black owned brands in New York city. And I remember my very first interview was with whitewash, whitewash, um, productions. And her name is Whitney Washington. So that's why it's called whitewash. And she makes the most incredible hand embroidered sweatshirts you will ever see in your life so so amazing and from there i posted the first interview that i did and what i do is since i'm on the rap fest and i am a huge music head as well i tie in the person's business with their love for hip-hop and 90s culture and how they were inspired by hip hop, by black culture, by HBCUs, by 90s cultures music to then develop their brand. So from her came two more. From two more came five more. And now I think I'm on my 15th interview and it's only been a matter of Oh two wow. Months. Yeah, it's it's been it's been crazy and I'm I'm so thankful that not only did the rap for the rap fest give me this incredible platform and for that I am eternally grateful because I feel like they've they've really taken me places where I wouldn't have been able to take myself and I really do owe it to them but I am even more grateful that these black owned brands are trusting me with their story to cultivate it and to curate it and put it out there in ways that it hasn't been told before definitely definitely I love a good black owned business I think you know we're unfortunate that you know we always have this negative stigma about black owned things or, you know, when something becomes, you know, popular by black people, all of a sudden it's, you know, deemed unworthy or ghetto, you know, it's just so unfortunate that, you know, anything that we touch is typically in quotation marks negative when we are the trends and everything. And like the reasons when, you know, like hearing rappers or hearing famous people, celebrities, they talk about these name brands, they're the ones keeping it relevant. When you're talking about, you know, these black artists talking about all of these, you know, designers that they're wearing, it's because they're essentially keeping it relevant. You know, that's where it's gaining that value. And it's if we can, we have to realize that our influence is so impactful and that we have to support each other. And, you know, smaller businesses, when you don't have the resource or the capital, you know, they definitely operate differently. But if we were to support each other, how we support these other brands, they will be able to reach the same success as well. I definitely agree. I feel like, you know, everybody loves their, they're fast fashion. Everybody loves, you know, their pretty little thing, their boohoo, their fashion over. And don't get me wrong, I do own a few things from them. But what people don't know is that oftentimes these brands 
do steal, and I'm not going to say copy <laughs> because copy is giving credit. They do steal from small, and I'm I'm not going to call them small because you know no one knows them, but they steal from these lesser known black owned brands because they think that nobody's exactly. going to catch them. And it's not fair because you're taking somebody's ideas, you're taking somebody's creativity, you're taking somebody's innovation and ultimately selling it for less value than I'm sure that that black designer made it for. And you're selling it on a girl whose body doesn't look like any of ours. It's not fair and it makes no sense. So that's why I try to put all of my money into black owned brands. I'd much rather pay $300 for a genuine leather jacket from a black owned brand from by somebody's mom and dad shop than get a $15 jacket from Fashion Nova that looks exactly right. the same. Why? Because I know that the quality's better, I know that the story's better, and I know who had it who did it first. In Ray J's words, they did it first. <laughs> I know it. Dope, dope, dope. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit about your blog, um, Sign Shonda? Yes. So signed Shonda, this happened, this launched around the same time where I discovered that I wanted to start really throwing myself into mental health. I have always loved to write. I always knew that I could tell stories in ways that people couldn't. And that's not me being cocky or anything like that. I just know that I have a gift for speaking through words in ways that can be very picturesque and very conversational. And I know that I wanted to start being more open. I wanted to tell my stories more. I wanted to be able to allow people to get to know me as well as I would like them to. Because as a mental health advocate, I'm not saying that, you know, I have to put all my business out there, but I want them to know that I am a human too. I'm not just the girl with the radio show. I'm not just the girl who was working at Island Records at the time. I'm not just the girl who's always at events and pictures with with celebrities. I'm a, I'm a real person. So I wanted to use that blog to allow people to know parts of my life that I wouldn't tell otherwise. So one of my first blogs was telling a story about how I am dating a a wonderful, fabulous, incredible man who just so happens to have epilepsy. And I remember when I first launched this article, it was just, it, it didn't go viral or anything like that, but I got so much feedback from the people that I did send it to and they sent it to other people. And they had told me that I broke barriers in conversations that people wouldn't even think to have because it's not, it, I'm pretty sure it's common, but it's not common that people actually talk about someone with depression suffering, someone suffering from depression, dating somebody who also suffers from a neurological mm-hmm. disorder. That's not a common conversation that you hear. So from there, I had also released an article about when I was raped in college. And it wasn't just a regular, you know, this this is what happened to me. It was an open letter to my rapist telling him, this is what you did to me. I'm not mad at you, but I'm going to need you to know that point A through Z is where you messed up. I have no malice towards you, but we are never going to be cool again. 
and from this I have grown you messed me up for a little bit like I'm not gonna say that we gonna be skipping down the Mm -hmm. lane together but from that situation I have allowed myself to grow I have allowed myself to hurt I've allowed myself to heal and I wanted other people to know like if you ever need someone that understands or sympathizes with sexual assault and rape I'm not saying we gotta you know be best friends over it but if you ever need somebody to talk to I'm here because when I was going through that not to say that I didn't have an amazing support system but I was so embarrassed only two Mm. people knew and those people were not my parents so I wanted other people to know that I want to be the friend and the listener and the voice that you never had so my blog serves as a platform where people who don't have a voice can read the voice that they want to have so I can give them courage to one day tell their own stories too so I wanted to say thank you for um just for sharing your story especially because you know a lot of times it can be difficult um to talk about you know I won't say conversations or topics that are taboo but that are hard to you know to discuss um so I really do you know appreciate that um, and I, I, I want everybody to check out, you know, her, your blog, because it's important that we, you know, we have these conversations, we, you know, debunk the taboo and we just have, you know, we're honest with each other and we, we speak from experiences and we understand each other's experiences. So kind of segueing into our next question, I know you're, you know, um, in the process, you're a candidate for your master's, um, you have a lot going on. I want to know how are you juggling everything and um, how are you prioritizing your mental health? Who? Wow, what a question. <laughs> um, how am I balancing everything? The the answer to that is, and I'm going to be completely honest, I'm not. Mm. I am not balancing anything at all, but I can confidently say that because it is okay. Because I know that I being only 23 years of age and, you know, this is only my first time being 23 and when I turn 24 that's going to be the first time I ever do that so it's completely fine that I have no idea what I'm doing sometimes I will completely forget about something I have to do for school because I'm doing something for a client sometimes I'll forget about the client work because I you know have to go to an event not to say that it won't get done but I'll remember like at the last second like oh snap that press release definitely is due in five minutes isn't it mm, gotta get mm-hmm. that done so I prioritize my mental health by just remembering that there is only one me and if I burn out because burnout for everybody who's listening trust me it is extremely real I have burnt out and ended up in the hospital on more than one occasion I have had panic attacks because of it mm. I have to remember that if I am in a hospital bed or God forbid I'm six feet under, I can't complete anything. Right. So after I have to remember that I don't want to get to that point. I don't want to make myself sick. I don't want to make myself unable to be able to do everything that I want to do. So I remember whenever I get really stressed out, whenever I feel like I'm overwhelmed or I have too many things to do, I just stop. If I have 511 things to do, I will write it all down. I will turn the notepad over and be like, before I do any of this, 
I need to just chill out because a lot of people can do well under pressure. I know after being on this earth for 23 years, I don't like being under pressure. Not Mm -hmm. to say that I can't do it. I don't like it because I don't feel like I perform best when I know I have to get something done and people are pressuring me to do it. Because in my mind, a billion of things are a billion of five things are going to go on in my head, such as what if I mess up? What if it's not what they want? What if I have to do do it over again? So I take the time to be like, Deshonda, you need to stop. You need to chill out. You need to watch an episode or three of Bad Girls Club. In the office. <laughs> watch, you know, whatever you want to watch, order in some food, drink some tea, take a nap and then start because I know that I can't give 100 percent on a 40% battery. That's exactly. not going to happen for me. So I balance by always making sure that I have enough battery and that I'm charged enough to go where I got to go. Cause you can't expect to get to California in one car with enough gas to only get to Virginia. That's just not going to work for you. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, that's true. That's me. I, I, I feel the exact same way. Like when I'm overwhelmed or when I have too much on my plate, I can't give if I have nothing to, you know, give. So I will literally, like you said, recharge, refuel, take a step back, right. turn off my emails, watch my shows, order some wings, and, you know, <laughs> call it a day. Like, I'm not going to let anything or anybody, like, make me rush my myself, you know? Exactly, because some people don't understand. When we say no, it's not like, nah, I don't want to do it. It's like, nah, I can't. Like, literally, give me a second and I can do whatever you want me to do. I will build you a magic carpet if that's what you need me to do. <laughs> but you need to give me a second to be able to assure myself that I can do it. When exactly. I people know, it's not that I don't want to do it. It's just that I I can't right now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, just let me, give me my space and I, I can get it done for you. Right. right. People think it's it's like a... You know, you have to work so much all the time and be on all the time. That's not healthy. It's not like it's it's okay to take breaks. People think that, you know, it's cool and it's sexy to do a billion and five things at once. And I will assure you that it is not. It is very tiring. It is very annoying. The the Instagram flex, I'm sure whatever for the people that care, it looks great. But I don't care about that. If I know that I have a lot to do and I know that I can't get it done, guess what? I'm going to tell you I can't get it done right now. It'll get done when it needs to get done, but it's not going to get done right now. If you need something on a Friday and it's Tuesday and you keep asking me about it and I keep telling you I don't have the bandwidth (laughs) to focus on it, you're going to get it when you said that you're going to get it. You may not you know, get it the day before, but you're going to get it. And just to assure that I'm letting you know this so that you could get the top quality content project assignment that you asked for, because if you rush me, it's going to be a rushed job. And you're not going to be happy with that. Absolutely not. And that's just that on that. <laughs> so <laughs> period. That's, that's that on that. Okay. <laughs> so I want to know, can you tell us about a time that you failed and what lessons you learned from it? Who a time that I failed. I'm pretty sure it's recently. Um, <laughs> a time that I failed. Okay, when I was at my previous job, when I was at Universal Music Group, I remember that I was just going through the ringer. 
I was just mentally not okay. And it it's one of those things for people who don't understand depression. You could be completely fine, but that doesn't mean that you're completely fine. Mm. Nothing was wrong with me. Nobody had passed away. I didn't get a failing grade on anything. I just, I just wasn't fine. And I remember that I was given a lot of stuff to do at work because, you know, I was an assistant. So, you know, me being an assistant and me being eager at my job, I wanted to make sure that whatever people asked of me, that's exactly what I was going to do. And I remember I had to send out this press release nationwide about one artist, but I ended up writing the name of another. Oh, no. Yeah. So the press release went out about artist A when it was supposed to be about artist B. And to make it better, it ended up going up, going out to like, you know, some major news outlets. So mm. I, I immediately fixed the mistake and said, you know, I messed up. I got to fix this. But what it taught me is that if I'm burnt out, pre- similar to my previous point, if I'm burnt out and I know that I'm not happy, if I know I'm not mentally, spiritually, and emotionally there, I can't function and I can't force myself to do it. It's not like I walked into work and said, you know what, this is the perfect day to do something dumb. I didn't do that. I knew I wasn't okay. And oftentimes I will admit what I try to do is I try to work through it. And when I say work, I mean, I'll give myself a billion to five things to do to keep myself distracted. But sometimes that doesn't work for me because sometimes I need to acknowledge that I'm not okay. I need to take a walk. I need to go sit somewhere in the park. I need to call a friend or call my mom or my dad and vent this out. And what I didn't do was acknowledge my feelings. So what that taught me was, it's not that I was bad at my job. It's not that I sucked as an assistant. It's just the fact that I was so emotionally checked out that I couldn't perform the way I wanted to. And from then on, and on previous occasions, I've had to tell myself, Shonda, you can't keep doing this because if you don't put your mental health first, you're going to keep getting the results of, you know, making careless mistakes. You're going to keep doing A instead of B. You're going to keep doing F instead of G. And I learned that in order to be able to be a full functioning human being at work in relationships with my friends, with my family, even by myself, I need to have check-ins and know when I can and cannot function. Mm. Yeah. You just been, you've been saying some real stuff. <laughs> I mean, I can't even, yeah, I, I think that's important. And like, I'm going through a, a space right now where like, I moved into this apartment, like very rushed. So like last year, last summer, I was going through some stuff and like I, it was time for me to be in a new space, but like I just moved into it. I just dropped everything off. And I feel like I never really settled into the place. Right. And like the school year started and like I was just so busy with work. I was working through everything and I wasn't necessarily really addressing um, everything that I had been going to prior to my move. So like now my house is still in shambles and like my car was in shambles and like that stuff affects you, like your environment affects you. So like I just recently cleaned out my car. Like my car is clean. Like it's nothing in it. Like it would just be random, really random things in my car. But like it, there's absolutely nothing in my car. So like I just took some stuff to Goodwill and like I'm slowly but surely like 
cleaning out my apartment and it's like I'm already feeling better. Like I don't want to be surrounded by so much stuff. So it's like I'm trying to, you know, I'm clearing that. I'm cleaning out my physical space and I'm also cleaning out like my mental space. And I think that you're just really saying some really important stuff. And it's like you really cannot. I really just think that, you know, the whole point of what you're saying is you really cannot pour from an empty cup. And even if, you know, you're not like you like you said, you're like, I'm sad, but I don't even know why I'm sad. Like we really do ignore that. Like we don't even address like what's really, really going on. It doesn't have to be something so major or something so drastic. But it's like, yes, like. Are you happy at work? Like, does your job make you happy still? That's a that's a thing, you know. It's it's definitely a thing because sometimes it could be something that you think was really small. Maybe you had a tiff with your best friend, or maybe you know you and your partner got into it, or maybe you know your boss or a coworker said something to you, and maybe a few weeks ago you you brushed it off, but it could still be in the back folder of the file cabinet in the back of your brain and then it will suddenly start to bother you or it will resurface and we don't oftentimes take enough time to acknowledge what's going on in front of us because we don't realize that 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 bottle effect is real if we keep bottling stuff up and we keep getting rattled by the little things you're going to explode and some explosions aren't anger some explosions are just crippling sadness there have been some days where I've been so sad where I didn't want to go to work and people fail to realize that severe depression can be as crippling as quadriplegia sometimes it does that to you to the point where you are physically unable to function and what we fail to do as humans and especially in the black community because we don't we don't like to talk about our feelings as much and that's part of my purpose to try to break that cycle is to let people know that it's okay to not be okay. You don't always mm-hmm. have to be happy. You don't always have to be jolly. It's perfectly okay to be like, you know, this argument that I had with so-and-so the other day bothered me a lot more than I thought it did. Or, you know, the fact that I didn't get that job really did mess with my confidence for a bit. But it is also important to recognize that sadness is temporary as as long as you work through it you can get through whatever feeling that you're feeling but you have to be able to acknowledge what's wrong and work on yourself first definitely definitely you said it you said it all all. okay so i want to know you know do you have any projects coming up that you would like to share with everyone I do. I do. I am actually going to be featured on a few panels in the next month or two. I am going to be part of the Sit Down Talk Mental Health Empowerment Summit with Lakeisha. And she has been, you know, incredible to me. We linked up on Instagram because I saw that she was doing this incredible event surrounding mental health conversations and I just wanted to help out as much as possible. I'm going to be serving as the moderator and that's happening on October 12th. I am also going to be part of the Girls Can Incorporated Youth Enrichment Summit on October 26th and shout out to Giovanna Gilks for putting me as part of this event to help speak to young girls between the ages of 11 through 17 to talk to them about self-worth and self-esteem. And I will also serve as the host of a podcast pretty soon. So 
Ooh. keep eyes out for that. I can't reveal everything, but just know that <laughs> 2019 is going to be a very, very prosperous year for me. And I am very much speaking it into existence. Period. I love that. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So before we get into our speed round, I want to know how do you brand like a girl and what sets you apart from others in your industry? And honestly, I would say your transparency, you know, just from our conversation, but I want to know, you know, what's your secret sauce? What's your formula? (laughs) Well, I brand like a girl by just being a boss, being a woman in the 21st century. We trust me, we have a long way to go, especially, you know, this 65 cents to a dollar nonsense. I'm going to work to fix that too. But I brand like a girl by knowing that I got it. Mm. I wake up as often as I can saying, you know what, Shonda? You look great. You do what you can to get by. Just know that whatever you do today, you tried your best and you did what you could, what you couldn't, you tried. You are incredible. I love you for this. I forgive you for this. And we're going to have a good day because, and then I go about my day. I Mm -hmm. brand like a girl by putting myself on a platform to let everybody know that I am not all the way 100% together. And I appreciate what everybody says to me that it looks like I live this great, fabulous life. And, you know, I, I am lucky to be alive. I'm very blessed to have air in my chest and to have a family and a support system who loves me and cares about me. But I brand like a girl by being as, like you said, transparent as possible and letting people know this is the real me. This is what I get when I wake up in the morning. So this is what you're going to get when you wake up and you see my timeline too. Like you're, we're going to get the same. People. Mm-hmm. And what sets me apart from people in my industry is like, wow, I think you you told me like my my transparency and my ability to empathize with others. I love to know that I am changing somebody else's life and I do mm-hmm. what I can to be the best friend, the best role model, the best girlfriend, the best daughter, the best sister that I possibly can. I think that what sets me apart from anybody who's not in my industry as well is that I have a voice that I'm not afraid to use. I am very vocal and I don't like to feel like I'm not heard because Mm -hmm. I was a child. I was, like I said, in the beginning of our conversation, I was, I was bullied for being too smart for being too skinny for having hair that was too long and for a while that did shut me up but once I left college I was like oh f this I have a lot to say to everybody especially to the people who are willing to hear because I want to be a voice for the voiceless and I know that everybody says that but I mean that from the bottom of my heart I want people to know that someone is listening someone sees you and someone is speaking for you that wants to help you be able to speak for yourself. Here for you've been leaving me speechless. <laughs> <laughs> Thank speechless. you. Um, let's get into this speed round, okay? okay. So I'm gonna ask you five questions, and you have two seconds to answer it. That's it. Oh God. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
What's a song you can't stop singing? A song that I can't stop singing is Damn Baby by Janet Jackson. Okay. Lipstick or lip gloss? Lipstick. What's your favorite? Um, My favorite lipstick is Fenty Beauty, the red one, Uncensored, I think it's called. Yes. The Stunna Lip Paints? Yes. That. Yes. I, can't, I love that. I can't live without it. It's so good on me. Perfect. Okay. What's a binge-worthy Netflix show suggestion that you have? The Office is the best show that has ever touched the face of this, this earth. <laughs> best HBCU homecoming? Spellhouse. I guess. <laughs> yes. Okay. And what's a book we should all be reading? Ooh. A book that everybody should be reading. It's called White Fragility. Okay. So it's a book that is written by a white woman that explains to white people how to properly use their privilege and explains to black people the mind of the white person and how some people cannot tend to wrap their minds around the fact that racism actually exists so please read white fragility and when i find out the author i will let you know okay thank you i'm definitely going to be reading that because that's something i'm i would definitely be interested in reading okay <laughs> well Deshonda, we have made it to the end of the podcast and i want to just say thank you so much for your transparency thank you so much for sharing um your story and thank you for letting the listeners know a little bit about who you are what you stand for, your purpose, your why, and what you're working on. So Thank you so much for having me. I seriously appreciate it. Of course, of course. So I want to know where can the people find you because they're going to come looking for you. <laughs> and I want to make sure that they already know where they can come and see who you are. Absolutely. So on Instagram, I promise I'm going to get a Twitter soon. On Instagram, I am at signed Shonda. So that's S-I-G-N-E-D, Shonda, like Shonda Rhimes, S-H-O-N-D-A. And you can find everything about me there on Facebook. You know, I'm not opposed to adding a friend, but I'm not going to give you my personal one. My Facebook page for my blog is signed, comma, Shonda. And you can also follow Gold-Blooded Communications on Facebook as well. So that's gold, like, you know, 24 karat gold, blooded, like blood, B-L-O-O-D-E-D, communications. So that's where you guys can find me. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in for another episode of Brand Like a Girl, the podcast. I hope you all enjoy and we will catch up in next week's episode. Thank you so much.